This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. Allison. Yes. You're back. Was I gone? You weren't here last week. I wasn't? Where no. was I? Was I doing something fun? Chad took your place. Oh, that's why the headphones are still warm. <laughs> you got to wipe the chat off your mic. <laughs> Could be a week's long process. You're lucky I'm back so soon. Got some Flannel Man on the show tonight. See, that, now that seems like maybe Chad should be here. <laughs> Flannel Man's back after a long, long time away. I feel like this is going to cause a, a second flap. A new flannel flap? Mm-hmm. It is the time of year. I am like Pokemon with Flannel Man accounts. I got to catch them all. We'll be talking to Russ, who had this Flannel Man encounter. Can I just say that Russ is a great Flannel Man name? Like if, if Flannel Man himself had a name. Yeah, Russ would be a great name. The Flannel Man he saw had a messed up head. Oh, I don't like that. It was like, he said it looked like, like there wasn't any gore. Yeah. Or blood, but it looked like maybe at one time he could have had a head injury uh-huh. or a birth defect or something. He said it was like... Like a dent kind of like thing? Like flat on top kind of thing. Like Not just a severe flat top? I'm going with like, I don't see you're not a Spider-Man person. You wouldn't know Hammerhead from Spider-Man comic books. That's how I imagined it. Because I'm a Spider-Man guy. Yeah. I'm imagining it as like a famous circus person. <laughs> no? Well, there you go. We all have our reference points. Before we talk to Russ, I'm going to be talking with Kevin Coolidge, who has a series of children's books which deal with cryptids, but he also has brought a story from his great-grandmother. Who is not Jennifer Coolidge, so we don't need to do the impression. No, we do not need to do the impression. Although, everyone has one. Everyone, just because she's easy. It's an easy impression to do. Before we get to that, though, I want to thank our patrons. Patrons, thank you so much. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your support. We could not do Strange Familiars without your help, nor would we want to. If you like what we do and you'd like to help support Strange Familiars and get extra content besides, you can become a patron at Patreon. 
It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All of our patrons get commercial-free versions of the weekly shows, as well as exclusive extra shows every month. We do at least one. Sometimes we do more. In October, I did... 35. (laughs) I think I did three. Again, if you want to support the show, help us make Strange Familiars. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. And there's also an option on Apple Podcasts. It's called Patron of the Strange there. You will get the commercial-free weekly shows and the extra shows as well. All right, let's go ahead and hear my talk with Kevin. like to welcome Kevin Coolidge to Strange Familiars. How are you doing tonight, Kevin? I'm doing great, Tim. How are you doing? Doing all right. Well, you have a story from, uh, I think you said your grandmother passed down to you, right? Well, actually, it's my great-grandmother. Oh, wow. Cool. Cool. I like getting these old family stories. And then after that, we're going to talk about some of these children's books, the series of children's books you've written. But I'm interested to get this story. Is it from Pennsylvania? It's from Pennsylvania. I live in north central Pennsylvania, tucked up against the New York border, and my family goes back several generations here. I live in Wellsboro in Tioga County, and this happened just outside of Wellsboro up on Maple Hill in Tioga County. All right, and this is your great-grandmother's story, you said. This is my great-grandmother. The story come through my grandmother and my and my mother. I love these old family stories. So this story, this is, this is one of the reasons why I have this, this strong interest in Bigfoot and why I love your book, Bigfoot in Pennsylvania, so much. So the story, I roughly figured this took place in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So it was when my great-grandmother was about 10 years old. And she was out one day gathering ground pine to make wreaths for, for the holidays. She was picking ground pine, and she looked up. And there was this this huge wild man. And for a long time, I thought that it was, you know, this was a story that this, this huge wild hairy man. And that's one of the things I liked about your book was most of your listeners know that the term Bigfoot never come around into, you know, to later in like the 1960s, probably 1970s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they started using it in the 50s, but it didn't really get popular to the 60s and 70s, yeah. Yeah, like my grandfather, I wasn't used to that term to to much later because my grandfather would always use the term the old man in the woods. Oh, interesting. So did your great-grandmother describe this as a wild man? She described it as a a hairy wild man. Hairy wild man, wow. Yes. And any other details on it? No, just that she looked up and she was really surprised, but she wasn't really scared. She didn't give like a height, just that he was really tall. And it was, he was kind of up on the bank looking down on her. Mm. And it, it, just, it just stuck with me all these years. So did you ever get to meet your great-grandmother? I never met my great-grandmother. No, this is a story that my grandmother would tell me and my mom and my uncle, who was, that I would often go fishing with, like, he, he had this, this huge interest in Bigfoot. So he actually, he never saw a Bigfoot, but he, he was a woodsman. And he had stories of of hearing Bigfoot and being followed, and you know he had lots of books on Bigfoot that I would read when I was a child. So this interest in Bigfoot 
has been with me since I was like eight years old. So did your family use this story from your great grandmother as a sort of like, you know, warning to stay out of the woods when you were a kid or anything? Not really as a warning because I would go into the woods with my grandfather and we would go fishing and we would go foraging for, for jinxing. So it was, it was more of a respect, not necessarily as a fear, but kind of a, to, to be on the lookout, but not, no, and it kind of as a as a tease because at this point, like like with my grandfather, he was he would kind of joke about it a little bit, but there was always something else behind that. So it was it was not really a scary thing, but something to to kind of be respectful and watchful for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so you got into Bigfoot at a young age, and that led eventually to these this series of children's books you've written. Yeah. So I write a series of children's books called the Totally Ninja Raccoons. And each one of the Totally Ninja Raccoons has a cryptid in it. And I've picked cryptids that have more of an association with Pennsylvania. So the first one is the Totally Ninja Raccoons meet Bigfoot. And is Bigfoot a good guy or a bad guy in these books? He, he's a good guy. So I use him as a, a storyteller in my books. So he's a recurring character. I have um, 10 books in the Totally Ninja Raccoon series. And he appears in like three or four of them as a storyteller to kind of fill in backstory in that sometimes. What ages are these aimed at? The ages are about seven to 10 is the reading level. No, I do have some older readers and some younger readers, depending on the reading level. I have this one family that they're a little bit older and the boys have a really good reading level, but they still love these stories because they're, they find them very entertaining. Mm -hmm. So what are the other cryptids that the ninja raccoons have to deal with? So I have a werewolf. I have a sidehill gouger which is a creature of Pennsylvania folklore. I have a Thunderbird. I have Krampus in the Christmas edition. Oh, cool. I have a unicorn, the Loch Ness Monster. So we have a small lake here called Nesmic. So I have Legend of Lesmic in, in one of the books. I have Aliens. I have, of course, the Jersey Devil. And I have Pterodactyls. These are illustrated too, right? These are illustrated, yeah, each one. You know, the secret of writing a children's book is writing a book that you would want to read at that age. Mm -hmm. And I grew up loving cryptids, and I, I, I just thought that would be a great way to, to put them in there, to kind of invite people. So each one has the cryptid in, that, in a not-so-scary way. And then at the end of each book, I have some, like a nonfiction portion about the creature that I'm featuring. Oh, that's cool. So I do a little bit about... What Bigfoot is, you know, like some theories about him, and then encouraging children to go and read more. Not just, of course, read these books. These are really to just spark a love and enjoyment of reading. Well, that's awesome. We're enc encouraging the next generation of Strange Familiars listeners, hopefully. I am. <laughs> People know I have strong feelings about raccoons, but I'll let it slide on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, where can people find your books? So you can buy my books wherever you buy books. So, of course, they're available online. Uh, if you have a favorite bookstore near you, um, if, they, if that store doesn't have it, they can order it for you. And, of course, I have my own website, kevincoolidge.org, where you can get them directly from me, and I can autograph them. And I work at a bookstore in Wellsboro. If you're in the Wellsboro area, the bookstore is for my shelf books, and they actually have a great cryptid section. We are actually known for it. And you can come by, and I would happily sign a book for you. You can meet me, or you, know, or you can order them, you know, kevincoolidge.org or 
any of the places that you usually get your books. Sounds great. Well, Kevin, thank you for stopping by, telling your story on Strange Familiars, and I will put links in the show notes for people, and hopefully we can get some kids, get them into cryptids through the Totally Ninja Raccoons. Thank you so much. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I wasn't going to let them on the show because of the raccoons. Mm-hmm. You know me and raccoons. I'm not anti-raccoon. I'm just, just they just don't have to be my favorite animal, right? Yeah, everybody's got a hierarchy. Yeah, they're just. I don't wish any ill will on them, but I don't want to hang out with them. That's all. They had their chance and they ruined it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Send a better ambassador. Yeah. Send one that had like a cookie that just handed it to you. Exactly. And like, oh, raccoons are awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what are really cool? Cats. We have, much like our bunny, who just came into our life one day, Echo was in our yard. A new animal has arrived. Yes. A cat has adopted us. And that's, there's no other way to put it. I mean, he's adopted us. He's just decided. It has something to do with the fact that we made him a bed and we put food out for him. Well, he was coming around before that. That's true. And it might be the attention. In any case, someone has uh, an outside cat that... They can't really take care of anymore. It's yeah. just kind of become a neighborhood cat. And he's really taken to sleeping at our house, which I like. Yeah, he's adopted <laughs> us. So, Welcome, Ziggy. Or Gibbs. Or Gibbs, yeah. He's had three names that we know of, right? Yeah. He's had quite a few names. But he's a handsome older fellow. He is. He's an older He's a guy. silver fox. <laughs> so yet another animal is, has made its way to our door. And uh, saps that we are, we're taking care of it. I no, do love the sweet, fact that he's a sweet cat. Yeah, he is. He, I mean, I've I had cats as pets who weren't as nice as this random cat that just showed up. He's a sweetheart. He really is a nice cat. Speaking of nice people, you got a nice letter. Oh yeah, yeah. I wanted to give a shout out. I'm glad you reminded me. There's a listener named Sarah, and she wrote this wonderful email and thanked us and told me how much she looks forward to the show every week. And she said she she was in an injury. And she either was or is in a wheelchair. I'm not sure if she's still in the wheelchair. But she said such nice things about Strange Familiars. And I just wanted to mention her and thank her for the email. Say thank you, Sarah. Wish you well. Sometimes those emails really make my day. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get to my interview with Russ. Get to hear about Flannel Man, an imp that was sitting on his chest. Not at the same time. I'm imagining that famous painting that they use in Gothic. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I think it's called The Nightmare, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I brought that up it, during the interview. Is it Fuselli? It is Fuselli. You're right. I think. I don't know. Look Can you it. make sure that you don't delete the part? No, I'm deleting that. No, where you edit I'm, the part I'm, where I'm you say, I'm right? There's a couple of different paintings like that, though. Mm-hmm. But I think his is the most popular. Yes, I did bring that up in the interview. Let's go ahead and hear it. 
bring Flannel Man back to Strange Familiars, where he belongs. I'm talking with Russ tonight. How are you doing, Russ? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good tonight. Just got off of work, so well, couldn't be better. Very Pokemon-like when it comes to these flannel reports, these flannel man, as we call them, reports. And it seems like you got something here to tell me, so I'm excited about it. But do we need some context for this? Like, is there is there history that goes with this experience? Well, I, I guess kind of. You know, I had started experiencing sleep paralysis at a pretty young age, and I never saw anything. I was just sort of unable to move and I'd scream in my head and try to shake out of it, but I never saw anything or anything like that. And I assumed I was being abducted by aliens or something because it was the early nineties and aliens were everywhere with like yeah. shows like files, et cetera. Yeah. Nineties were a very, if people don't remember or didn't live through it, aliens were everywhere. Like, yeah, it was a lot of times posters, yeah, black yeah. light posters, dispenser gifts, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So, I had this sort of firm belief that I was being abducted by aliens. But, I, you know, later when my household got Internet, eventually I was able to, you know, research it a little bit and discover what sleep paralysis is. But there are like a few sleep incidents that I've had or incidents that happened when I was asleep that can't be chalked up to the description that you would find on Google of sleep paralysis, for example. Mm -hmm. And the one in question, I was, again, probably eight or eight or nine years old. It was pretty early in my experiences with sleep paralysis where I woke up in the middle of the night and it was like light, like broad daylight in my bedroom. So that was startling from a dead sleep. And you know those tins of sort of like caramel popcorn you get on the holidays, those big old buckets with the golden retrievers on them. Yeah. Oh yeah. I kept one next to my bed and I used to just keep my action figures in it. So it's brought, it's, it seems like broad daylight. I'm confused, uh, you know, thinking maybe that it's morning or something. And I start kind of to look around and I look over to this tin that's next to my bed and there's a man seated on it. I was so I was immediately frightened because it wasn't my father or anybody that I recognized. And I, I remember clearly what he was wearing. And this is where Tyler was like, I knew it. I knew <laughs> you were going to say that. But he was wearing jeans, boots, like work boots, and uh, a, a green shirt. It didn't seem like it was flannel necessarily to me, but it was plaid. Mm-hmm. It was tucked in, and I, I remember it so vividly. He was wearing one of those, like, braided leather belts from, like, the 80s that were popular, like, in the 80s. Yeah. And he had um, some unusual characteristics. His hair was very sparse, like you could see his scalp. And his head, my description when I was a kid was that maybe his head was, like, like sm smashed in or flattened on top. But there was no gore. Like it wasn't, it wasn't bloody. It didn't, there was no contusions or anything like that. It was just misshapen, mm -hmm. maybe enlarged. I don't know. So I, I, I look over and I see this man. I'm immediately frightened and he 
communicate it to me. And I, I'm not like, I can't recall now if he, if I actually watched him speak words or if it was just like something that he communicated to me, but he said something to the effect of, don't be afraid. I'm not going to hurt you. Go back to sleep. Wow. And the second, I'm telling you the second that was communicated to me, it was like this calm, washing over my whole body like like if i had known this man forever Mm -hmm. and i did i went back to sleep wow it wasn't until the morning where i was like that was a completely abnormal experience and that to this day i i it it was not a dream i was fully conscious Mm mm-hmm I wasn't in a dream state, fully conscious. And so the next morning I sort of freaked out and I told my mom and my mom played it super cool. I I like, I grew up in a Mexican Catholic household, but my mom played it cool. She didn't react. It wasn't until much later that I found out that she was like secretly freaking out inside, Uh you know? And that was kind of the end of it. That was kind of the end of it. I, I started, I continued to have the occasional, it was frequent enough that I dreaded going to sleep, mm-hmm. the sleep paralysis that I'd have anxiety about bedtime and going to sleep or whatever. And no other incidents until much later in, you know, until like my mid mid twenties that I experienced other things during when I should have been asleep, essentially. Mm-hmm. In my late teens, I did wake up one time in a sort of state of sleep paralysis where I was conscious of that I was laying in my bed and I couldn't move, but I was feeling like this energy like flowing through me. It was almost like an ecstatic sensation. It wasn't, to be clear, you know, I was in my late teens. This wasn't a sexual thing <laughs> gotcha. whatsoever, but it felt really pleasurable, like pure joy or something. You know, okay. I, I don't know how to describe it, but it felt mm-hmm. kind of like electrical currents or like light passing through me or something like that. And so I've had a lot of like experiences that I would consider generally positive. The quote unquote flannel man thing, I would consider a positive experience because I didn't get any sort of malicious intent mm-hmm. or negative feelings aside from my initial shock of seeing him. But as time went on, I did have some experiences that were pretty unsettling. When I was I was stationed in San Diego, I was in the Navy, and I was stationed in San Diego, and we were all, me and some of my friends were junior enlisted, and we all sort of pitched together to get a two-room apartment but there was like six of us in it because we didn't want to stay on the ship. And my friends were outside doing something, probably playing beer pong or, or, or something like that. And um, I was taking a nap. I, I had laid down for a nap in my bedroom. I didn't have a bed or anything. We were poor. But I was just laying on the floor and I, I, I laid down for a nap and I woke up and there was this impish almost simian creature sitting right on my chest. I was laying on my back and I woke up and I was observing it and it was sort of just kind of like picking at me, not paying attention. It was in a squatted position 
And then like it noticed I was awake and you could sense like it's panic and it, it, it's like was trying to dig its way back inside my body. Ooh, wow. And, and when it started like panicking and trying to, it felt like it was trying to get back in me before I woke up. Like that was the feeling I got from it. So I snapped awake, you know, I was fully mobile again, you know, mm-hmm. from that, just completely freaked out from that. And then years later, I, I was out of the Navy. I had moved here to where I'm living now. And I've had a few experiences in this house surrounding sleep. And these two notable ones happened sort of in close proximity to one another, um, which is the more startling thing for me is like thinking that they might be related. Mm. And I can't remember which one happened first, but there was one night where I woke up in a state of sleep paralysis, but I could feel my body being elevated straight up out of my bed. And and so when I became conscious and I felt that and I panicked and then I just woke up in my bed and then again, I can't remember which one came before the other, but they were weeks apart. I woke up, in a, an, another sort of state of sleep paralysis and I could hear nails on the tile. My whole house is tile. I live in the desert nails on the tile and I had a 90 pound dog. So I was like, okay, it's just my dog. And so like, I kind of like managed to like force my eyes open. And I look at his dog bed and it's empty and he's not in the room. And then I look towards my, my doorway and there's little light, but, enough so that you could see a silhouette through the door and there was just this tall bipedal humanoid thing standing in my doorway and it had really long limbs and it was very thin and I could just see the silhouette of it, you know, the black sort of silhouette of it in my doorway. And, and then again, you know, you sort of snap to and it's gone. Mm-hmm. Those three experiences were overwhelmingly negative, unsettling. Yeah, yeah. I freak me out. It was, it's like you, when those things happen, you you you're not sure if you're awake when you are awake, and they and they like they would s- stick with me for like days, mm-hmm. you know. And I still think about them. Since then, my sleep paralysis has. I, I want to say that I can c- control it better. Like when I feel the sensation of me entering sleep paralysis, I can sort of shake out or just disregard it and, and ignore it. And then I just go back into full sleep or whatever. Mm-hmm. But now it's, it's not nearly as frequent as it was when I was younger. So to clarify, when I was a kid, I was living in a house in, on the border of Arizona and Mexico, that house in that whole area, Santa Cruz County, I won't get into any specifics, but that house specifically, all my siblings and I experienced other unnatural things. We would see shadowy figures crossing the hall with some frequency. And again, just coming from a Catholic background, like my dad isn't a practicing a religious person, but my mother is. And so she would sort of just disregard it. Mm-hmm. She would ignore it. And my dad is 
very logical and stoic. And so you, I couldn't tell if he was having a reaction or not to, right. yeah. to yeah. any of these stories. Now that he's retired, he's sort of loosened up a little bit. But when we were kids, he was just very stoic, I guess. But we all experienced creepy things in that house, that the same house where I had my quote unquote flannel man incident. And then again, I, I you know, I'm, I'm sort of trying to get to the bottom of this because I thought that was a unique experience that I had, but it turns out the theme of that dress is pretty common. Yeah. The, the, the check shirt or the plaid shirt. Yeah. Flannel man is a shorthand, you know, it, they may or may not be flannel, but the plaid or checked thing motif is, is the, the thing in common. Which I found super creepy and interesting when I was told that that's like a thing. I was like, mm -hmm. well, you know, it was just a one-off experience that I had, but apparently it's a, a common theme. And then I guess the only other real weird incident that I had was um, my best friend and I, and I'm still in Arizona. I won't disclose where necessarily, but that's fine. My best friend and I saw what I can only describe as a UFO from my backyard. And that story, the sun was coming up and it's, it's Southern Arizona. So like dawn is like the only real time that you can be comfortable outdoors in the, in, in the summertime. And, yeah, yeah. and so the sun was coming up, but it hadn't actually breached the horizon yet. Like you couldn't see it, but the light was starting to come through and the stars were sort of fading. And my friend and I, we both got, this sensation that we were being watched and we both synchronized look at the same spot in the sky and there was a ball of light that was brighter than all the stars that were starting to fade in the background and it, it lingered there for a moment and then it shot straight up and when it moved you could see the mountains surrounding you could tell that it wasn't far like a star it wasn't even in orbit mm -hmm. like a satellite would be or something and it was pretty big when it shot up it faded away because of the distance you could tell and you know i was in the navy and i stood watch on the on the weather decks and we were always reporting on contacts that we had to report when we were standing watching stuff so i know like i can sort of judge these things i have some sort of experience in judging those things and when it shot straight up into the air it did so so fast that that bright light faded into invisibility it wasn't like a meteor when they come in and they just kind of fizzle out and mm -hmm. go out mm -hmm. you could watch it in that split second cover a massive distance so that you couldn't see it even though it was so bright and we both got so creeped out that we went came inside and we made everybody else come inside too mm. we we're just like no we're not hanging out outside anymore was there any color to it it was star colored so i would say like a yellowish white mm -hmm. more white than yellow mm -hmm. and could you i know it's so hard to judge the size of things in the sky and you know and i ask this of people and it's a very difficult question for anyone when i ask it and it's difficult for me when people have asked me similarly but could you judge the size at all when it started moving and you can sort of tell with like the mountains in the background and you can sort of approximate kind of how close it was, I would have to say it was spherical, but you could say it was probably the same volume as like a jumbo jet. Okay. So not small. So 
it wasn't small and when it and again i don't know how much of that is the light emanating from it mm-hmm. from a source that right, might have been sure. smaller yeah. you mm-hmm. know but but that's how it appeared mm-hmm. and it was just a, a a sphere of light that just zipped off so yeah i mean that's that's basically it and like i i've had no real interest in the paranormal like this isn't something that i've sought out mm-hmm. necessarily to find answers to and it's just sort of been collateral because my girlfriend's super into that kind of stuff and, and she knows Tyler and that's how I met him and, and how this whole chain of events started. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So this but, is Tyler um, strand from people will know from Hellier and associated it, things. Real cool guy. Yeah. Very, yeah. Tyler's awesome. So is my girlfriend. Very cool. <laughs> Tyler and I met in West Virginia and we just hit it off immediately. Great guy. This flannel, or we'll call it plaid-wearing man, I know you're a little kid and you're in bed and you're kind of looking up, but he, did he seem about the size of like the other adults in your life at the time? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I would say he was an average-sized man. He didn't seem overly short or tall. Mm-hmm. It's just his head was a weird shape. Yeah, so I wanted to get back to that too. Did it look like he had an injury or like a birth defect or you couldn't tell maybe? So... In my youth, I interpreted it as it had to have been some sort of injury because it was misshapen, mm-hmm. and that's where my child mind went mm-hmm. with it. But there was, like I said, there's no gore, no contusions, no mess. It was just oddly shaped. Yeah. So maybe a little large. But it seemed like it was like almost flattened. Otherwise, it didn't seem. And I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Really, like like the in the image is seared in my mind essentially. But as an adult thinking about it, it, it could easily be interpreted as a, a birth defect more so than an injury because there was no other sign of injury mm-hmm. aside from it being misshapen. So birth defect or just a weird shaped head. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, several things stand out about that to me. The the room being bright when you wake up, that's a thing with some of these accounts. I don't know why. The go back to sleep thing, I'm glad you got a good feeling from it because I always wonder about that because it happens in so many different paranormal accounts. Like uh, I always use the example of like I heard a story of a guy rolled over and saw Bigfoot looking through his window and then mm-hmm. he just rolled over and went back to sleep. And then in the morning, it's like, whoa, Bigfoot was, you know, it was like no big deal, right? Yeah. That should be something that, you know, you sit straight upright in bed. Some of my own experiences with these grays, I was awake and asleep and awake don't, and don't I couldn't. Great, man. No, you're, now, now I'm freaking out. I'm sorry, man. I, I, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Continue. I, I want to know more. I want to know more. <laughs> I'm in it now. I'm in it. So let's, let's do it. I was very upset. I was very angry. And I was trying to punch him is what I was trying to do. I was trying to hit him, but I couldn't move. And I kept waking up and going back to sleep. My initial thought was they they kept putting me under with anesthesia because I could not stay awake. I was so mad. And I woke up several times and out, out and just right back to sleep. And uh, finally woke up at, you know, it was daylight by the time I was able to like sort of move, screamed at the top of my lungs, threw a punch in that, in that their direction. Nothing there, of course, that go back to sleep thing. You know, it's kind of like, oh, man, what what is that about? And someone said to me, I, I might have been my, my uh, co-author, Josh, 
that I wrote where the footprints end with, and I've adopted this phrase that this is like, oh, it's, it's, it's one thing to get to you while you're awake, but it's a lot easier to get to you while you're asleep. Not meaning they're doing something to you while you sleep, but meaning like to jump in your head or, or, you know, cause I think these are out of body experiences. I don't think I'm being taken on UFOs or anything like that. I think whatever's happening is, is sort of an out of body experience. Although I, I have had experiences where I've, I've gone from the experience, you know, sitting up to just awake. You know, there was no like waking up period, which makes right, yeah. You know, which that's that's kind of what happened to me when I was getting that sensation that I was being elevated out of my mm-hmm. bed. I was being elevated, and all of a sudden, I was just awake in bed. Yeah, yeah. There was no like waking up period at all. Yeah, yeah exactly. That the the thing on your chest, that's another, I mean, I'm sure you've seen like the painting called the nightmare. I just took a humanities class and like, it was about art and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was significantly smaller than that image. And I wasn't familiar with that image when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I am. When I was researching sleep paralysis in my early teens, like I said, once we got internet, I did read about that. Like you feel like you're being sat on, Mm-hmm. You feel the weight of somebody sitting on you. This little thing was weightless. It was probably the size of like a capuchin monkey, like on my on my chest. I don't know, but yeah. Now, did you, you sort of woke up and then it just sort of disappeared with that one? No. So that one, I woke up and I was watching it on my chest. It was just hanging out. It was squatting on my chest, like they call it the slav squat. You know, like butt to ground yeah. squatting. Yeah, and just like tussling with my t-shirt not paying me any attention but it sort of like realized i was awake and it and it, it was like immediately panicked and visibly panicked and it was trying to dig itself inside my body wow from my perspective it was like like i gotta get in real quick like you know it's like it got caught basically mm-hmm. is what it felt like and so it was like trying to dig into me and then I, again, immediately just awake, you know, like, and it was gone though. I mean, like, yeah, it was gone. Yeah. yeah. It was gone. Like when, when I sort of like, again, like you described where you're experiencing something and then all of a sudden you're just wide awake mm-hmm. and you like, may, am I missing time in between when that was happening and when I'm just wide awake? Yeah. Yeah. What? And then I spent weeks wondering if I was like being possessed by, sure. by like, yeah. by like a demon or something that was like, or like maybe it was like all my, like the embodiment of all like my malcontent and like, uh, like th- my evil portion or whatever. I know that sounds super corny, but like you're trying to logic it, mm-hmm. you know? And so you come up with all kinds of insane ideas, but yeah. Well, a couple other like, you know, boxes to check there. The thing that kicked off the whole flannel man thing for me was my wife woke me up screaming one night before we were married we were staying at her parents house she said there was a man standing at our feet looking down at us and had a red plaid buffalo plaid shirt on and i think blue jeans bearded guy looked looked like a lumberjack and to the point where she says she doesn't remember if he was actually holding an axe or if he just looked so much like a lumberjack that she put an axe in in his hands in her memory but she was a complete skeptic and I, I spoke about that because I some point after that, like months, if not years after that, I just saw a mention of these entities on the web somewhere, like some sort of like spooky website, you know, and was talking about, they called it Flannel Man. This is not my original name. 
And, you know, so, you know, this is a thing. People report encounters with these things. And I mentioned it offhandedly on the podcast early on. Like, you know, even my skeptic wife has had something. And I mentioned that. And this flood of reports came in. Or people like, whoa, I've seen this, you know. Uh, oh, wow. Which, which super fascinating. But when I was able to, you know, sort of interview her about it and get the full story, she said he looked shocked when she saw him. He looked caught like surprised yeah oh it's interesting my guy did not seem startled mm-hmm. at all it was i feel like i'm just applying the filter of like like my my cultural background mm-hmm. to things like like i said my mother is is, is mexican catholic and so I, you know, she made me, she forced me to go all the way up to my first communion. And then when she couldn't drag me to church anymore, that's when it stopped. But like, when you see sort of like La Virgen de Guadalupe, like the Virgin Mary, and she's like looking down at you in, in the, you know, the, the figurines of her and, and mm-hmm. the, the paintings of her with such like peace and serenity, mm-hmm. that's what I got from this being and again it didn't seem surprised that i was awake at all and it just very calmly and again immediately calmed me down when it communicated to me and like i i I had theories like later in life that i was like maybe maybe like the religious stuff is real maybe that's like my guardian angel or something because Mm -hmm. the feelings i was getting from it none of them seemed malicious to me whatsoever well i have a fun question that i that i've been asking everybody on the morning of april 18th 1961 joe simonton saw a silver disc on his farm this is a well-known story out of ufo history he went out investigated and stepped aboard the craft there he encountered three dark-skinned humanoids who handed him an empty jug he went and filled it with water and brought it back to them. And in return, they gave him pancakes. The question is, would you eat the pancakes? Um, that's a very good question. I, I, I think it would just it would it would just be all based on my impression of the beings. Mm-hmm. You know, if if I didn't sense any sort of shady happenings, then yeah, I'd eat the pancakes. Because then I could say that I ate alien pancakes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, if they were being suspicious, then probably not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I believe he ate at least one of them because he said they were very bland tasting. Oh, interesting. But I believe one still exists. I believe like somewhere one of these, you know, pancakes exists somewhere. That's That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a fun question I've been asking everybody. I come down on the side of probably not, but, you know, again, in the situation, maybe feel differently. Yeah, I mean, and it seems like an... uh, an exchange of, of hospitality essentially or of generosity. So I guess maybe in that scenario, I wouldn't be so nervous to eat one. Yeah. At least one. Yeah. I had somebody say, it was like, uh, yeah, I'd eat them because like, I don't want to offend them. And they're obviously like so technolog- technologically superior to us. If they want to hurt me, they're going to be able to hurt me anyway. It's like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, didn't even think of that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Why don't they just like blast you with microwaves or something? Yeah, exactly. It's probably pretty good reasoning. <laughs> Well, don't know what these entities are. You know, I have a theory sometimes that they're 
messengers and sometimes they're intercessors like between us and, and nature, like not quite the wild man that Bigfoot is, but somewhere in between. I don't know what they are. And my opinion changes frequently, but people do see them. They might be just different things. Maybe it's the, the pattern that gives them some sort of ability, or maybe we just place that pattern over them. But it's super right. interesting. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm Like I said, I'm like trying to catch them all, trying to get all these stories I can. Thanks so much. Well, happy to share. I feel obligated to do this. Shout out to my wonderful girlfriend, Julia, and also Tyler Strand. Thanks for connecting us. And it was, it's been great talking to you. I, I think I feel better sharing this, you know, because I didn't for a very long time. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the cool thing about this podcast, because someone will hear your story and then they'll say, well, I can share mine, too. We'll get more that way. I liken it to like collecting folklore, you know, and maybe someday yeah. somebody looks back at this huge collection we have at Strange Familiars and, and so, make something of these stories, you know. It's tap the sort of tapestry to make a bigger picture exactly exactly russ thank you so much absolutely pleasure allison yes it's been a while since we've had a stereo view as the curiosity of the week long overdue this one is a full moon i thought well that's pretty interesting but you can tell us a little bit more about that image. So there are a couple early images of the moon. This says from negatives taken by Professor Draper, but I presume these are from copies of his daguerreotype because he's one of the first people to take a picture of the moon. Mm. He's also credited with being the first to take a photo of a woman, which was his sister, in a bonnet. Let me just give you a little breakdown of the history of photography. Okay. First, we take pictures of buildings because they don't move. Mm-hmm. Then because we're men, we take pictures of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Then a little while later, we realize, oh, yeah, women exist too. So we take pictures of them. And then 20 seconds later, pornography. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised so it took that that's long. That's the entire history I'm of su- early I'm photography. I'm surprised it took that long, honestly. Yeah. I was like, wait, if we could take pictures of ourselves, that's going to be pretty cool. But, oh, wait. <laughs> And because that was his sister, I would like to add that that was not, she was not the first experiment. <laughs> she was, probably she was just a person who was there who was willing to sit still. Right, right. But anyway, that same photographer is the one that has taken the picture of the moon. Yeah, I, I would think the it's moon. like this was made from a negative that was taken of his daguerreotype. I'm I, guessing that would that's be what, my, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'll put an image of this in the show notes. If you click on that, it'll take you to our shop at Etsy, where you can purchase this and other curiosities of the week, those that are left also at Etsy. Copies of my books, buy them from Etsy, they come signed. Artwork, originals and prints. If I did the artwork for this show, it should be up there. Strange Familiars t-shirts, stickers, patches, and more. Allison has a selection of antique photography up there as well, and you're going to be adding some other stuff as well, right? Yes, I overspent a little bit over the weekend, so I need to recoup some of that. (laughs) (laughs) Overspent on... uh, On photos. On photos. Yeah. yeah. On things to resell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't buy like a a Gucci bag or something. Yeah. Yeah. I've been telling everybody I wanted to run a sale or a special each week running up to Christmas. So for this week, the Strange Familiars Mothman shirts are 15% off at Etsy. They're like a blood red color on black. Yeah. 
I personally supervised the lady telling us what color red. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, this can't be like some, it has to be like a blood red color. Mm-hmm. Can't be tomato orange. Mm-hmm. Can't be sort of. Not that super bright crimson. Yeah, not tomato soup. Not that that's bad. Some some designs. Yeah, and some work, of those but, things. But I think for this de- this design, I think you made the right call. As I usually do. So it's my Mothman design that I did for Department of Truth, but it's been repurposed for mm-hmm. Strange Familiar in a new colorway, as they say. Would have looked cool in purple, though. Yeah. Well, we can do another one down the road someday. Yeah, do another one. Do it in purple. It's so in purple. yeah, it's fifteen percent off. So head on over to Etsy. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. I know people say, like, we don't often do a sale like that, but this isn't, like, one of those places where we just mark it up to mark it down to that. Like, we really don't usually do sales on... Yeah, this no. It really is no, probably the cheapest it'll be. Probably, yeah. So that's on sale until the last day of the month. I believe that'll be the next show we drop. will be on November 30th. Yeah, 30 days have September, April, June, and November. Don't need a code or anything. Just go to Etsy. It's already on sale, and it'll be on sale to the 30th. Thanks to everybody who's supporting us on Etsy. That helps support the show as well. So thank you very much. I'm going to do a patron episode for The Flowered Path. I've talked about this a little bit before. It's so strange familiar Z. There's such crossover in this. This is a woman who uh, spirits were appearing to her. It's within the Catholic context. So she noted them as poor souls, as souls from purgatory that were visiting her. But it's these spirits that are visiting her. At least with the first episode, I'm going to make it a patron episode for both The Flowered Path and Strange Familiars because there's so much crossover. There's a flannel man connection in the first episode. This is from 1920. There's no documentation of checkered ghosts or very little. I found one or two reports from before this. Oh, a flannel-based people, you mean? It's flannel adjacent. <laughs> it's flannel man adjacent. It's, it's a very strong connection. To flannel man. I don't want to give it away. Okay. It's not someone wearing flannel, but it's a very, very strong Tartan. That people will recognize <laughs> as soon as they hear it. Chintz. For this. Twal. And for other. <laughs> for that. Damask. <laughs> for that reason. Bombazine. <laughs> and for. Crepe. So many other reasons. Wool. I'm going to make this available to Strange Familiars patrons as well as Flowered Path patrons. This is a whole series, though. This isn't one episode. There's going to be multiple episodes on this. I'm not sure if it's going to end up being three or four or five or ten, honestly, because I'm not even done the book that I'm pulling this information from yet. It's this woman's diary. So interesting. And at first I thought, what? What? Like, this is too much. But then there's all – she's checking all these boxes. Like, again, this is like 1922 or something. And she's like, there's this flannel man connection. Later on, there's a Bigfoot connection. Very, very strong Bigfoot connection with this woman. A lot of the things she's talking about, she's checking boxes of things that we hear on Strange Familiar. Was she a nun? Super interesting. No. She's just a, she wanted to be, but she she had poor health. And a lot of times they didn't let people with poor health become religious. Why? Weren't they the best kind? Yeah, but I mean, I think it's the idea that. You have like a serious, like you have to be You're going to end up being taken care of by people. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Like you're going to be a a burden on the community kind of thing if you're not healthy enough. I believe that that was the reason, but I could be wrong. So that'll be coming up for that's Like like I said, that's going to be a bonus for both Strange Familiars and The Flowered Path. Well, it's Thanksgiving week. We got to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, those that uh, celebrate it. What's your favorite? Mashed potatoes. I don't even know what question you're going to ask for the answers. Usually mashed potatoes. Hi, I was going to ask. 
Mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes is your favorite pie. Pumpkin or apple? That's like a Sophie's Choice kind of question. They're both good. They both have their merits. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could choose that. You know what my answer is, right? You like pumpkin. No. Apple? Yeah. You always get both. Well, yeah. I mean, if the option is to get both, you know, like a little slice of both and, you know, you get both worlds. But yeah. No, if I have to choose one, it's going to be apple. Think about it. Why would I choose apple? More crust. Mm. You get crust on the top and the bottom. You know, I like crust. Yeah, we're like a symbiotic thing because I don't really like the crust. I just want the filling. Yeah. And if I could have a crust pie. (laughs) Or if I could just eat an apple, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I've been looking for a crust pie. Yeah. The closest thing I found is like the, what they call them, the elephant ears. Yeah, yeah. Which are not, I mean, they're just basically pie crust rolled up basically into a, is it like a pretzel shape almost? Yeah. Or big ear shape, essentially. I don't know. If, I've never had those except for in York County, so I don't know if they exist elsewhere. Elephants? Elephant ears. Mm. The, the treat. The, the treat, yeah. The pastry treat that is elephant ears. Do you think they make crust pies in crust punk houses? I, they may indeed. But yeah. yeah. I'm searching for the perfect crust pie, and I've often wondered if you could do like a, <laughs> a graham cracker crust, then a regular crust. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, like a graham cracker like crust. A, like, make a, a make a, make a, like a trifle? Make a multi-layer crust pie. Of all the all the best crusts. All the different crusts, yeah. I'm all about the crust. Maybe in a big glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> milk. Milk would go with that. Oh, milk. Oh, God. What are you, five? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't drink dairy anyway, so it's going to be some form of almond or I know, that's rice. almost worse. Nah. Just a big old glass of milk, big old glass of and milk. some crust, and, and a crust pie. Or I would be happy with that. Or you could have some cooked apples. I mean, the apples my... are fine. I don't dislike the apples, but the I'm cinnamon just saying, on cinnamon. I'm there for the crust. It's very hard to say cinnamon on them. Say cinnamon on them. I will not. <laughs> All right. So anyway, th- happy Thanksgiving to everyone who celebrates. 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 Right? Indulges. Indulges, enjoys, protests, anything. We're good with anything. Yeah, enjoy your uh, your thanks, and and uh, we give thanks to you for listening. Thank you so much. We'll be back soon with more strange familiars. Strange familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music by Stone Breath, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word, no underscore. You can find us on the web at strangefamiliars.com. And for Strange Familiars merch, strangefamiliars.com slash merch. Among the grass, its leaf from a barren branch now blows upon the wind, and the white hair from my head now floats upon the sea, and all my fathers look on my face and 
say they never knew me Coming to the well with me I take my drink from them Wait into the water with me And you will find me there This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.